0: Georgia Democrats recently opened a joint campaign office in the Atlanta suburbs.
1: I'm so very proud to be here today as we open our first office and get ready to knock doors. Are y'all ready? We're ready? Senator Raphael Warnock was there to cut the ribbon and so was Stacey Abrams who's running for governor.
0: We know that we can win this election because we know who we are and we know what we believe. And it might also help that we've done it before and we're going to do
2: it again. Democrats there sounding like they're running as a team, something like a loosely coordinated ticket. That strategy helped catapult Warnock and John Ossoff into the U.S. Senate
0: last year. Georgia Congresswoman Nakima Williams says now the party needs to prove that wasn't just a one-off.
1: Georgia Democrats shocked the nation in 2020 and 2021. What we did together was nothing short of historic. Yeah. And let me tell y'all, the eyes of the nation are fixed on Georgia to see if we can do it again.
2: Will Donald Trump's diminished influence on Republicans hurt or help Democrats? I'm Sam Gringlass, politics reporter at WABE in Atlanta.
1: I'm Susanna Capaluto, politics editor at WABE. And I'm Raul Bally, also a WABE politics reporter. Our co-host Emma Hurt with Axios is on assignment. And this is Georgia Votes 2022, a weekly podcast from WABE all about the midterms in Georgia.
0: I vote because it's a privilege. I vote because I want to make an impact. impact I vote because I want leaders who care about my future. Voting is the gift of freedom. So voting
1: matters to me because I believe there is value in my voice.
0: So after weeks of Republicans taking up all the political oxygen in the many contested primary races, we're starting today's episode with Democrats. They've opened up that joint office and started their track towards November, knowing the stakes are high and lots of national attention is on the party. Is running as a team a good strategy this year? What do you all think?
2: Well, on one hand, you've got two very different races. One is for federal office in Washington. The other is to lead the state government here in Atlanta and so sure there's lots of overlap in platform points that matter to both of these offices, you know i'm thinking policy about guns abortion healthcare. Those are made both in Washington in Congress and also in Atlanta in the State House, the policy levers, the political dynamics, sure, those might be different, but there are broad themes that both candidates can easily talk about, no matter the office that they're running for. Now, one thing that might hinder a joint ticket is the national political forces that are happening right now. It is just not a great climate for Democrats, given high inflation. Um, It might be easier for Republicans to, say, tie Warnock to Biden, uh, you know, both in Washington, whereas Abrams can kind of try And focus on local issues in Georgia if she wants to and distance herself from the Biden administration. One thing I've noticed in the ads that we're seeing so far from Republicans you know, we hear lots of talk about Abrams as this radical liberal taking away Georgia's soul. There's less of that when it comes to Warnock, at least this cycle. Um, You hear them talk about him as a nice guy, just maybe not the right Senator for Georgia. So maybe there's reason at some point for these two candidates to make some space and, and define themselves individually.
1: So looking back at 2020 and 2021, there absolutely was a chemistry when Senators Warnock and Ossoff campaigned together. At their rallies, you'd see their buses with both of their names pull in. There was an absolute energy with the crowd. They played off each other in their speeches. So, you know, will that chemistry be repeated with Stacey Abrams and and Senator Warnock? It's possible. They are different races, as Sam points out, and you know, chemistry you know that's something that just kind of it can just happen. Sometimes doesn't happen. As for what happens with Trump voters, I think very clearly, the influence of Trump is diminished in Georgia. You know, that number, was that number 20 or 30 percent? It possibly still is. But what percentage of voters are Republicans trying to bring back in the tent? The Republican operatives I talk to say that's in the single digits. The absolute hardcore Trump supporters who may not support Governor Kemp. That hurts Democrats because that's a smaller number for Republicans to have to go after.
2: So what you're saying is that if the party came out of this primary less unified, if Republicans were having to work hard to bring Trump-aligned voters back into their camp, that would
1: benefit Democrats, but that might not be the case. That's both what I'm seeing in the results, and that's what I'm hearing from operatives, that they believe that that percentage of people that they have to bring back you know, is not as big as as they had worried it could have been.
0: I mean, it was clear in 2020 and 2021 that the anti-Trump vote was a big factor in Democrats making gains. The question now is with him having less influence this year, that could hurt Democrats because they don't have the anti-Trump voter.
1: Well, but you're still going to see the commercials, though. You're going to still That's see true. the commercials Linking Donald Trump to any number of Republican candidates, just like you're going to see commercials linking Democrats to Joe Biden. So you absolutely are going to see those commercials, and they're absolutely going to play that angle. That's true. But talking about
0: Trump, Democrats at the top of the ticket seem to like each other. Now, the top of the Republican ticket, we have Governor Kemp and Herschel Walker. And they are sort of the Trump divide, right? Uh, Walker being a Trump candidate, Kemp being the one who Trump wanted to beat. Will Georgia Republicans care about that at all? Can they appear together at events? Do you think we'll see that?
1: So I had conversations with the campaigns and the PACs that back Governor Kemp and Herschel Walker, and they've made very clear that they're going to campaign together. In my phone calls with them, they are pushing back against the idea that there's a, a divide, Over the former president. Now, obviously, when the former president, if the former president comes to Georgia, I would not expect to see Governor Kemp at that rally, just like, you know, earlier this year when there was a Trump rally here in Georgia. You didn't see Brian Kemp there. You you saw the Trump endorsed candidates. And I think that's what will happen again if the former president comes to Georgia.
0: So you think Republicans will be a joint ticket altogether in the end?
2: I do wonder whether Brad Raffensperger, the incumbent Republican Secretary of State, would be as welcome up on the stage with a campaigning Kemp or Walker. Uh, You know, He significantly underperformed both Kemp and Walker in this Republican primary, meaning that there were a lot of voters who were happy to have Kemp and happy to have Walker at the top of their ticket, were not so jazzed about Raffensperger. And according to an analysis by the AP, Raffensperger may have been able to avoid a runoff with the help of Democratic voters, people who pulled a Democratic ballot in 2020, but voted in the GOP primary this time around to defeat some of those candidates like David Perdue and Jody Heiss, Raffensperger's opponent, who have uh, spread some of the the lies about election fraud in 2020. I
0: think that is something, this crossover vote that kind of nodded Trump, because he talked about it at a weekend rally in Wyoming.
1: Get out and vote. Don't let those Democrats vote for you. Don't let them vote. You know, you got a crazy system here. You know what that means, right? Don't let the Democrats do what they did in another state last week. And we actually did great in Georgia. You look at those races, all the congressmen and congresspeople, we swept everything. So a couple of little problems we had with a lot of people voting and uh, you have to be very, very careful with that. Our voting systems are really bad. And so that's
2: Trump there basically trying to discount his losses in Georgia's primaries, chalking it up to Democrats getting involved in the primary.
1: Look, that's not even revisionist history, guys. That That's just plain wrong. All four primary challengers backed by former President Trump lost. You know, David Perdue, Jody Heiss, Patrick Witt, and John Gordon. The two open primaries, yeah, he won. Herschel Walker and Burt Jones. But it's hard to say that Trump's endorsements really matter with five sitting members of Congress, you know, including three who didn't even have primary opponents. I should mention that there are a couple of his candidates in runoffs. We'll talk more about them in a minute.
0: This might be a good time to take a break. I'm Susanna Capilouto, and this is Georgia Votes 2022.
1: At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster... Sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Line takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Line wherever you get your podcasts. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we.
0: Welcome back to Georgia Votes 2022, today with Rahul Bali and Sam Greenglass. We have two Republican runoff races coming up in the 6th and 10th congressional districts. These are strong Republican districts, so whoever wins this runoff is likely going to win the race. Now, those candidates are slated to debate early next week. Rahul, what do you expect?
1: So let me fill our audience in on these two races. The 6th congressional covers the northern suburbs of Atlanta heavily Republican area. The two candidates who made it to the runoff are Jake Evans, who's endorsed by former President Trump, and the other candidate is Rich McCormick, who's run for Congress before. The other runoff is in the 10th Congressional. Now, that's a district that runs from Atlanta east toward Augusta. And in that race, you have a Trump-endorsed candidate, Vernon Jones, running against Mike Collins, who also has run for that district again. It's worth noting that in both cases, the Trump endorsed candidates, Evans and Jones, finished second in the May primary. These races, you know, they're already getting ugly. You know, you've got in one race, is, you know, candidates calling each other rhinos. The other, you know, race, you don't support Donald Trump enough. That's what you're kind of going to see. And and to me, again, I said this at the very beginning: the influence of Donald Trump is going to be still being measured with these races. They're definitely something that I'm going to be watching with these two races. And yes. Both of these races have debates on Monday, and I have the pleasure of having a front row seat as I'm a panelist on both of those debates.
0: Anybody who has questions that Raul should ask, you can email us at GeorgiaVotesWABE.org, and maybe Raul will ask your question. Um, now, we talked about this Republican runoff in the 6th and 10th. And those are the only Republican races in those runoffs. That's all Republicans have to worry about. But Georgia Democrats have several statewide runoffs. So as a party, they will get a little bit of statewide attention in June. So will that help them a little bit?
2: Well, so you've got runoffs for a lieutenant governor, secretary of state, labor commissioner, insurance commissioner. And yeah, this does keep Democrats in the news statewide, while Republicans' focus is in these specific congressional districts, basically. But, you know, there's also something to be said for having a settled ticket as early as possible that can kind of turn its focus to the general election rather than continuing to battle over who will be the party's nominee. It is interesting, though, that so, you know, in Georgia, statewide candidates don't run as a formal ticket like they do in some other states. But uh, Stacey Abrams has come out and endorsed a candidate for lieutenant governor, for secretary of state, for labor commissioner. And so we're kind of getting a little window into who her preferred, you know, quote unquote, cabinet of colleagues would be should she win the governor's mansion. So there's divide now in the Democratic
0: Party, we can say, right, between those people that are Endorsed by Stacey Abrams and those that are endorsed by others.
1: I absolutely want to see how Stacey Abrams back candidates do because these could legitimately go either way. And that is absolutely a story how Stacey Abrams back candidates do in these runoffs. I want to
0: talk just a little bit about this voting machine snafu. Um, I don't know if that's the right word. Was it a snafu, maybe a glitch? Um, but even that does not really describe the mess that resulted from human error in programming ballot scanners in DeKalb County, which is in metro Atlanta. Raul, let's try
1: to explain what went wrong. So this situation involves a local county commission race. And on election night, some of the results just didn't look right where where you know a sitting candidate wasn't getting any votes and including in her own precinct where she voted she's just like wait a second here so when when people started digging into what happened first you had a candidate drop out then just before advanced voting that people noticed there were some precincts missing from this local race so they had to try to add those back in and then after early voting had started on that first day, they noticed a non-binding referendum question. So parties can put these questions on the ballot. They They have no power of law, but they could ask, you know, do you think the sun will come out tomorrow? That question for a Republican ballot didn't appear. So for each one of these issues, there was a patch. There was a programming fix. But the problem was, the best way to describe it is, those programming fixes all did not jive together, and they kind of collided into each other into this <laughs> this basic mess. I had this great conversation with Gabe Sterling, who's the chief operating officer of the Georgia Secretary of State's office. And it, it basically comes down to, we glad we caught it. It's a frustrating situation, and, and we've got to figure out what was the issue behind all this. But all these circumstances that just kind of ran into each other and, and led to this mess, and so— the the more interesting thing that, that in my conversation was it reminded Gabe Sterling of the situation in Michigan where people thought votes were being changed. There were four positions on the scanners they were looking for, but on some of the BMDs, some percentage of them, there were only three candidates showing because of the final uh, media output that was changed because of that Republican ballot question. So that is why you got some of those weird outputs. And when you try to put them into the election management system to aggregate, you got what looked very strange. This is the same exact thing that happened in Antrim County, Michigan, that started all the conspiracy theories around Trump saying the machines are flipping votes. No, it was a human error by about programming that just didn't get caught early enough. It got caught at the end, which is not the best place to catch it, but it's better to catch it there than not catch it at all. Where it looked like I'm voting one thing and then something else is coming out the other end. In the end, he made clear the issue wasn't with the voting machines. It was the programming of the scanners that were reading the ballots. And so that's, what I think, the big message he was trying to make sure that the voting machines were fine. It's just how you program them and then how the scanners read them became the issue. They did
0: send out a press release explaining what happened and... um We talked about it, Raul, this press release, trying to figure out what actually happened. I literally had to draw circles to figure out, you know, here's this one thing happened, then this thing happened, and this thing happens, and they all just came together. And then someone grabbed the wrong code when they were updating something. That's what happened. It's a human error. I'm hearing that it's probably all going to be sorted out in front of the state elections board at some point to look into what exactly happened here and how can that be prevented. But it seemed to be just a confluence of circumstances that caused this one race to come out weird. But the good thing is that they say we have paper ballots this time around.
2: So I just want to zoom out for a second. I'm curious, Raul, Susanna, from your reporting on this, It sounds like you're talking about it as kind of a random whoopsie that happened um, and not representative of some bigger problem that we should worry about in November. But I wonder, you know, as there's just this added spotlight on voting issues right now, as you mentioned, Raul, Gabe Sterling talking about this situation in Michigan where, you know, when these changes happen, people start to not trust elections or spin some broader narrative about what's Mm -hmm. happening, that something nefarious is happening. Why do you think talking about this DeKalb County Commission race matters when we look ahead to November and all of the spotlight that is on the counting of ballots in this moment.
0: I think it's important the message that both the county and the state are sending out because they are not blaming each other. It's not DeKalb County saying, "Oh, the state programmer, because the state programs this, right?" Messed up. DeKalb is not saying that. The state is not saying, "Oh, DeKalb County messed up," because. I think mistakes were made, on human mistakes on both sides. The first mistake in DeKalb County was, oops, there are five more precincts that need to be in this district race because we redistricted. They discovered that after they already had programmed everything. So then the state goes, oh, let's just make a separate program for those five precincts. So you had one program that worked for all the precincts and one program, so call it thing one, worked for all the precincts and thing two worked for just these five precincts. Then early voting starts and they're realizing, oh, this question that the Republicans put on the ballot isn't appearing correctly. So they say, oh, we need to fix that. So the state goes in at this point, puts the question on, but the programmer, instead of taking thing one, takes thing two. So that's where the mess-up comes in. It's very complicated. We drew circles about it, but it needs to be explained. It's very tedious, but if you explain it, it's clear
1: that the problem is not with the technology. It is with the people. I do want to add one more quick important point. The Georgia Secretary of State's office is run by Brad Raffensperger, a Republican. DeKalb County is a strongly Democratic county, and in these two offices... Right now, they're generally on the same page with everything that's happened. And I think that's another important point. Yeah, I mean,
2: just a reminder, too, that elections are run by humans and people, and sometimes there are mistakes. But what matters, it seems like, is that they are quickly corrected. The question is, does it erode people's trust in the meantime? And what do elected officials do to explain so people have confidence that these issues are being managed appropriately? Yeah. There's better ways to do elections, I'm sure, but that's what we got.
0: Raul, before we go, I want to know how it went with all your roller coaster trips.
1: For Memorial Day weekend, we headed to Sandusky, Ohio, to go to Cedar Point to take on some of the biggest roller coasters, and and Sam mentioned that I should take the kids to to Camp Snoopy, and uh, Sam, unfortunately, I was given the the stink eye from both boys, because that's for babies. We took on, you know, Millennium Force and clicked off at 93 miles an hour. They rode that, I want to say three or four times. Those big roller coasters, man, that was something and we're looking forward to more roller coasters around the country. My DMs are open for a roller coaster suggestions. I'm just sick thinking about it. Well, thank you all. Georgia Votes is a production of
0: the WABE Politics Desk. Our engineer is Kevin Rinker. Check out our other podcasts like TechCast with Emil Moffat and Political Breakfast, which drops every Wednesday. I'm Susanna Capaluto. See you next week.